Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Chad. This week we cover 1996, The Frighteners. There has been a destructive force unleashed on this town such as I have never seen. Oh my god, I don't believe this is not happening! We have got a poltergeist! Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but it's not going to be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee. That fellow takes us totally for granted. Hey, Stuart, in or out, huh? Frank Bannister had a remarkable ability. Psychic investigator? To communicate with the dead. You, you could see spirits? Emanations are normally confined to the cemetery. You cannot push spirits around! Although they do escape. And an uncanny knack. We're gonna scare the living daylights out of your parents. <gasps> For making a profit off the living. We're supposed to be his business partners. Everyone says that you're a fraud, but I've seen what you can do. Give it up, Frank. Death ain't no way to make a living. But now... <laughs> Some things put the fear of death in the living. What is happening to me? And send the dead running for their lives. I've seen a figure in a cape. That was the soul collector. When your number's up, that's it. Frank, we got problems. All these murders that have been going on in Fairwater, they're going to pin them on you. Pictures and Robert Zemeckis. You're next, pal. And acclaimed director Peter Jackson. We don't stop till the screaming starts, you okay? The Frighteners. This film was directed by Peter Jackson, who would later go on to do some little movies here and there. <laughs> it came out in July 19th, 1996. I actually have my movie stub from when I saw the film in the theater on July 20th of 1996. You were late. I was I was a late, but I was a teenager, so I couldn't just, you know, at the whim. At this time, you were like a grown person. I couldn't just leave my house whenever the hell I wanted to go to the theater. I would have just lived in the theater because I did go to the theater every weekend. That was like my thing. Had to go to the movies. If I was able to go on Friday, I would be there. If not, definitely Saturday. I never went on a Sunday. Saturday was like my holy day. That was the day I look forward to. I love Saturday. I'm all about, that's my favorite day of the week. I'm sure that's a lot of people's favorite day of the week. Um, the movie that we saw is actually the director's cut, which is 14 minutes longer. I own it on DVD. Um, the movie stars Michael J. Fox, Jeffrey Combs, Dee Wallace. Um, she has a sub name, like a... Stone. Dee Stone. Wallace Stone. Dee Wallace Stone. Uh, she dropped that later, I think. Yeah. And Jake Busey. Who soundtrack just as crazy as his dad. Yeah. Soundtrack by Danny Elfman, which you can tell right off the bat, like... Danny Elfman's that, like, composer, you know it's a Danny Elfman movie by, like, two fucking notes. It's like, yeah. boom, Danny Elfman. And what's weird is that this film, while I would watched it, mind you, I saw it when it was released. I've owned it for a very long time. 
whenever it hit on the shelves, the director's cut is when I bought it. It's the one with, if you guys have, it's like the slip cover with the um, face coming through. Yeah. Um, which is, I believe, is the poster. To yeah, the it was film. a poster. And, <clears throat> you know, I lost my damn chain of thought. <laughs> yes. So having all these people, you know, in the movie and then totally, like, I was like totally obsessed with the film. Like, I, what I don't remember is, obviously at the time, I was not aware of who Danny Elfman was, because he had just started, but when the film, when you're watching it, I totally got Nightmare Before Christmas vibes, and like, every fucking movie he's done, like Beetlejuice, a lot of Beetlejuice, because they're in a small town, and a lot of the town looks like models, like, especially the trees. I know they're probably not. You said it was filmed in New Zealand, right? Yeah. So it just it just looks fake to me. Like, this area where they're supposed to be in. I don't think they ever, like, really disclosed. Yeah, they don't really say that I remember where it's at. It's just small town America because everybody's American. But they don't really, you know, say where it's at. Right at the beginning, before the movie even starts, there's a whole, like, little snip of, like, Peter Jackson talking about, you know the amazing <laughs> um, computer work in the film at the time you know it was a big deal it this is one of those films unfortunately did not stand the test of time because the technology is so dated and I wish they would go back and like Star Wars the shit out of this like just clean it up and make everything like amazing CGI wise yeah, they could do that pretty easily, I'm sure. Yeah. I know they even did that recently, like, for the Raiders, for all the Indiana Jones movies. They didn't change anything on those like they did with Star Wars, but they just went back in and, like, cleaned everything up. I know they removed the one shot where you can see the plate of glass between the Snake and Indiana Jones. Mm. They erased the plate of glass that was very obviously there. Yeah, go back, make Death look amazing. You know, the part, the ghosts... Just go back. And this is at the beginning of Weta, which is Peter Jackson's company. So they started, I think he was, he mentioned at the beginning with like less than 20 computers. Oh, they had one computer and they bought 35 more to to do this movie. And then after they were done with it and they were like, well, we have all these computers. What are we supposed to do with them? I don't know. Maybe make another movie. And that was where he got the idea they should do a fantasy movie, he said. Oh, yeah, so, that's where uh, so, while he was on production for this, came up with the concept of doing Lord of the Rings, yep. which obviously did not come out at all in the 90s. Yeah, it took a while for that. but Which is good, because yeah. the movies... Yeah, I, I don't, that's a film where I think it's always going to look fucking fantastic. Like, it stands... The t- that one does stand the test. It's weird how... And I know, like, the thing. Okay, that movie is obviously way older than this one. And because it's practical effects, it just still looks good. Yep. Um, but, you know, to me, it didn't take away from watching the movie again. It's one of those, like, it is what it is, and it's, you know, set in, it's a 90s film, so I'm just taking it as it is. Yep. Um, but for the people that have never seen this film, oh, we actually mentioned, forgot to mention, um, the judge. He was played by... Uh, what's John Aston. John Ashton, yes. He's one of the nicest people you can ever meet. You met him? Yeah. Was I there? Uh, no, he was at Spooky. <laughs> it was before I met you. He was at Spooky Empire. And he was there with uh, the uh, Felix Silva that played Cousin It. 
and uh, the woman that played Wednesday Adams in the original series. I forget what her name is. It was kind of a little reunion. There's another star in the film, for me anyways. I could not help but notice the first time it happened in the film. The ringtone to the telephone is the same one that's used in screen, which came out later on in December. Yeah, well, this was a New Line picture, so I'm sure it was probably just a standard sound effect they had around it and laying around at New Line. Wow, I that totally went over my head. You are so effing right. That's so crazy. It's probably so just the crazy. Standard sound effect they had laying around that they used. There's a track that's like a a hospital page they use on one of the albums that Queensryche put out, and I've heard it used on the Flash TV show and some other things because it's just like a standard sound that they have. That's wild. So Michael J. Fox plays a character of um, last name Bannister, and he has a sixth sense about him. He can see ghosts because he unfortunately got into a car accident years before, five years before um, the movie set, where his wife unfortunately um, died. And he lived through that experience. And after that, he had the ability to see ghosts. He can see, talk to him, interact with him. He can touch him a little more than some. The ghost rules on this were a little strange. Sometimes they can touch people. Sometimes they can't. It's kind of, uh, it kind of changes. It changes because you obviously have not seen ghosts a lot. I don't know when the last time you saw ghosts, but it I'm has. I'll tell you this right now. Never. What? I You've mean, never seen the film Ghost with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and Whoopi no, Goldberg. I've never seen that movie. That's effing crazy. I never saw Roadhouse until I saw it with you. Never saw Dirty Dancing until I saw it with you. I have seen no Patrick Swayze movies what? that I have not seen with you. I Okay, uh, alert, alert. I did not know any of this. I don't remember you saying that about Roadhouse. Maybe, but I just, we've seen it so many times now that it's just, I love that film. I love Patrick Swayze. Um, Yeah, I love me some Roadhouse. And that's actually my favorite Patrick Swayze. I had seen no Swayze except for, what's the one with the, the oh, Red Dawn. You didn't even see the surfer one? No, I saw that for the first time while on my birthday. Remember, we watched it at the hotel. Oh, so yeah. I had seen no Patrick Swayze except for Red Dawn. That was it. Yeah, that was the first time I actually seen the Keanu Reeves. I forgot the name of the freaking movie now. Point Break. Point Break. That's the first time I seen Point Break. But I had seen, and I have not seen Red Dawn, but I have definitely seen Ghost and the other films we already no, mentioned. No. So in Ghost, <laughs> you find out that the when you become, you know, when you're a ghost. You have to work and really concentrate on moving objects. It's not something that just comes to you. You're a ghost and then you can fucking move shit around. Actually, I believe my brain is really trying to remember. I think the same rule applies in Casper, maybe. But you can't just, you know, become a ghost and then you're hovering and moving stuff. So in this film, the ghosts have that same issue okay um that's why at first the husband um spoiler alert oh we have a kitty cat that is joining the podcast um the husband when he becomes when he becomes a ghost at first he's not able to move anything 
That's right, because he's trying to have a hard time moving, like, the post-it note. Yeah, and then finally, and it's, I think it's something, like, they have to remember what it is to have, like, an emotion. Like, so he, you saw when he got angry, that's when he was able to move, tip over the glass on the table. Uh, For the longest time, I thought Annie McDowell was the love interest in this film, because this woman, to me, looks very yeah, she does look a lot like her. Like her. Um, Trina Alvarado. She plays Dr. Linsky. And this film is actually kind of loosely based on a kind of Bonnie and Clyde situation of two people that actually, a uh, 14-year-old girl and a 19-year-old yeah. that did go on a killing spree. Um, so that's loosely based you know of course added with the ghost and all that stuff that's not real just kind of like what we just saw the conjuring three yeah we decided we were not going to do a podcast on that because it's been some time but i just want to pause the frighteners just to say the conjuring three meh period that's kind of been everyone's reaction to it it was fine it doesn't it didn't need to be made they could have just left it and just be done with it um all the Conjuring films actually is actually just a love story. That's this is the those Conjuring movies are not about ghosts and demons, or we should say demons because they're all demons. They're about Lorraine and Ed Warren and their love that they have for one another and how whatever the random things that they go through, their ghostly uh, demon esque adventures affect their life. But their love is never going to break. Literally, that just surmised all the films. No need to watch any more of them. We should make our own where we do, make our own country in verse where we do the thing. But they have the young girl that lived with them their whole life. Okay, well, I wasn't going to mention that because that's, that, <laughs> that's neither here or there. But, but yeah, The Conjuring 3, and that's one of those where... I, I This is what I understand. And now that we're kind of saying that like, this film is loosely based... Peter Jackson, whomever, whether they were inspired by the story of this couple that did do this, did not go out of their way to put based on true events, based on a true story. I feel like back in the day when you want to put that, that should not be anything added on to after 1999. I'll fucking give it to you 2000. After that, guys, we know it's not. So don't go out of your way to put it, even if it's one detail, like... That's. I feel like people, and man, I'm giving people a lot of credit here. I feel like people that are going to want a lot of the people that are going to watch these movies know that there's that that's just a marketing point just to get you to go and see the film. But it shouldn't because people should be smarter than that. <laughs> but you know they're not. <laughs> well, this person knows it's not. That's not. My, oh, it's based on a true event. I have to go see what it. You know what this movie's about. No, if no, and that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, so back, back to, to the, the frighteners. frighteners. Thank you. Um, I had to give my my five second review on The Conjuring Three. The devil made me do it. So Michael J. Fox can see and talk to ghosts, and he's kind of doing the Beetlejuice thing where he's using the ghosts to cause problems in places, and then he'll come and remove the ghosts for a small fee. So it's a little bit of Beetlejuice, a little bit of Ghostbusters. <coughs> Excuse me. And pretty soon he starts to realize that there's something creepy going on in the town because he starts to see numbers appear on people's foreheads. And he realizes that the, when, soon after he sees the number appear on their forehead, they die. Yeah, which 
he kind of slow like later on you real they show you that oh shit his wife had a number on her forehead when she died so this is like oh okay there's something going on yeah and now i'm mixed up in this and i have to find out he kind of kind of becomes obsessed in yeah. a sense he gets really obsessed with finding out what's going on and Man, they were a little uh, ahead of the curve in predicting what police behavior was going to be like in this, too, because this movie, they have no problem just opening fire on an unarmed guy just to try and take him in. Yeah, in the museum around rich people, like all the fancy people in the town. And around priceless objects, they just open fire. Yeah, they're like, ah, Nefertiti, you know, whatever. I'm just going to pierce your freaking sarcophagus. Sarcophagus, yeah. Just shoot the shit out of it. They didn't think they'd have a blinking eye at it. There's a few other cameos in here that are kind of funny. Uh, you got Arlie Army playing the Army or the Marine Drill Sergeant that he's played his whole career. He's in the cemetery, kind of uh, like he's, he's the guardian of the cemetery. You get to see him like change into crazy outfits. And uh, Jeffrey Combs, man, he went all out on this one. Yeah, you gotta love Jeffrey Combs, man. He is a dedicated actor, and I just can't say anything bad about him. Love that guy. Like, he's just an artisan. And he, he has some monologues in this film that are just... First of all, who the fuck wrote this? Like, I mean, this was in someone's brain. They created this really insane Peter person. Jackson. Like, okay, yes, I know it's Peter Jackson, but, like, what the hell were you smoking, Peter Jackson? It's intense. Like, you know, this is like an FBI uh, kind of agent that has gone undercover, you know, with satanic cults and... The Manson family. Yeah, all kinds of crazy shit. And he, I mean, this movie was definitely not for... Was it PG-13? No, it was R. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's right, because of the whole head exploding thing. Yeah, it definitely was R, because that whole monologue on, you know, the orgies and the cannibalism, I How mean, old was Jeffrey Combs when he did this movie? Like, he's like, I was undercover with the Manson family. Like, really, Jeffrey Combs? How old are you? I don't know, but he looks really rough. His, like, weird Hitler haircut was just... It was funny. Yeah, and his weird, like, when well, he took his shirt off, and he had all the scars and the, like, tattoos and everything. Yeah, he had stuff. a lot. He had a crazy stuff. I guess he could have been. At the time this movie came out, he was already 42. So I guess he could have, 20 years ago, been undercover with the Manson family. Yeah, because let's say this film... It came out in 96, but let's say this is during, like, 1995... It's possible. He would have been very young to be an agent, but he it could have been. Yeah, he could have been an agent. I mean, right out of, you know, college. Yeah, that's right out of college. But, but yeah, he's nuts in this movie. He goes all out. Uh, you know, he's got the prosthetic. You, know, you said he's got the weird Hitler hair. He's got the, like, weird prosthetic chest with everything. He goes nuts. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching for that. I wonder how many people have never seen this film. It's actually, I don't think it's available anywhere streaming. I don't think it is either, and I don't think it's even on Blu-ray or anything right now. It's one of those ones that's kind of dropped out of the consciousness. I don't know if, I know it didn't do well when it came out. No, it didn't. It barely, it, it was like 30 million dollars, and then it made like 29 something 
or 20, 26 or 29 stateside. It did not do well. Yeah, so it, it just kind of dropped out of things. And it. Uh, I was looking to see if it was on Blu-ray, and it doesn't... Yeah, there is a Blu-ray of it, but even the Blu-ray was the 15th anniversary edition, which would have been like 2001. So that's just going to be a transfer from the uh, DVD, probably. But yeah, even that looks like it might be out of print. But yeah, I, I think too, I don't think it did well because I think people were getting a little burned on Michael J. Fox in the 90s because he was in so many things from 1990 until this. Actually, before 1990, but in the 90s, he was in a lot of shit. And I think they were just kind of getting burned on him. And and besides that, like people didn't really know Peter Jackson at this point. He was mainly known stateside for Heavenly Creatures. A few people, like, I knew about, you know, Dead Alive or Brain Dead, whichever version you saw of it. But it wasn't that big yet over here. So when they released this, it just kind of came and went. It was also came out in the middle of summer, too. This would have been a much better Halloween movie, I think. But this out around the 1st of October, and people would have went for it a little better. I don't know why they decide to... I know they have to fill... You see, what what's crazy is I think that, you know, the studios, especially during that time frame, they all wanted just the bullshit that was going to be up for an Academy Award to come out closer to February. Yep. So all the other stuff that was just fantasy or horror or whatever released that in the fucking summer because that's we we're not expecting like you know the next academy award winner to be released in the summer i'm sure there have been ones but it's not like a real common thing because usually in the summer you got your blockbusters you got your family movies you know the whatever that kind of stuff so i do want to mention that the film was co-written by uh friend welsh walsh walsh and um, and uh, she may have been responsible for the crazy Jeffrey Combs thing. So who knows? Um, it could. I mean, I'm sure it was it was a collaboration. So both right. of them together came up with a crazy fucking character. Um, actually, one of my favorite. And his list na- his last name is uh, Dam Dammers. Dammers. So. I'm going to say Dammers because that's just funny to me because it's Dam and an ERS. But yeah, so even his last name, I just, I can't. He's just a, he's just a, such a freaking funny guy. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs, once you get him in your shit, he'll go all out for everything. I don't think there's anything, he's one of those ones that like, is there anything he said no to in a movie? Probably not. D. Wallace also looks insane in this movie. Like... I don't know what it is. I don't even know how old D. Wallace was because when I think of D. Wallace, I think like she's the mom in the movies, right? She's the mom from E.T. She's, you know, I don't see her as, you know, she's always the mom. She's, you know, in Cujo, she's the mom. E.T., she's the mom. I don't really, in Critters, like I don't really see her being like this young old person because that was also kind of weird because she was 14 or she was like 14 15 when you know the events happened when you know her and jake buse's character decide they're gonna take everyone out in the hospital so when that happened like what in the 60s probably yeah so and now it's like the 90s like 30 years later so yeah i guess she's in her 40s it's just well d wallace would have been about 
been around 55 when she did this, I guess, because she was born in, what, 40? Yeah, she'd have been around 55 or so when she did this. Yeah, it's just weird, because she doesn't look 55 in the movie. It's like, in the film, she looks old. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 45. Uh, 45. the wrong thing. She looks old, but she's not old, but she is old. It's a weird look, because they purposely, like, kept her, her hair is really long, and there's gray in there. But it's still in the same hairstyle she had when she was younger. So it has like the young hairstyle. And then the way that she's dressing too. It just, it always throws me off when I see her. When I see her in the film, I don't think, oh, that's Dee Wallace. I think, oh, that's Dee Wallace. Okay, that's weird. They just deliberately dressed her to make her look older. They did put her in like the frumpy clothes, like the old plain dress. And she's dressed like her mom because her mom's dressing her. Yeah. And her mom is like, like freaking ancient. She's like 80 years old. She looks really good though because she's, she's really old, but she's like elegant. She's an elegantly old She reminds lady. me of like the, uh, the woman on the Futurama cartoon that runs the mom's robot company. She looks exactly like how they draw that woman. So I wonder if they got inspiration from this. Maybe they did. Maybe that's just a classic old lady, like, elegant look. Because that's exactly what she reminded me of. I was like, oh, is she running mom's robot company? Jesus, that looks familiar. What's your favorite part of the film? Um, if you have any. I, yeah, there's a part I like best. I like it when they actually do the part where they uh, freeze Michael J. Fox and put him, like, where he's basically dead. And then he can actually turn to a ghost to help him out. I thought that was a cool trick. Yeah. We did question why there was, like, a cryogenic chamber. Yeah, like, this small town doctor's office has, like, a super cold freezer that you can dial it down to, like, negative 200 or whatever it is. They just happen to have that at this small town doctor's office. That seems a bit of a coincidence, but okay, sure. Maybe they left it there when the army moved out from their experimental medical station or some shit that they paid up. I don't know. I mean, it's plausible, I guess. Um, I I don't know if I have a favorite part of the film. I think probably the whole hospital scene when, you know, they're... Michael J. Fox is experiencing going in and out yeah. of time... Um, from, you know, when the murders occurred. We're kind of assuming everybody that's listening has seen this, but in case you haven't, he soon figures out that, uh, you know, the uh, the murders that are happening now are connected to the murders from the past. And that Jake Busey's ghost, who had, you know, been executed a long time ago, is back trying to up his body count because he wants to beat Starkweather. He wants to beat Manson. He wants to have the highest body count. Yeah, well, Manson didn't kill anybody. Ted Bundy. Yeah. Ted Bundy um but yes (laughs) but yeah he does want to um up that body count and he's like obsessed with it that's probably what's kept him going you know because she she's been hiding his ashes in her room which is like how did you even get that but okay um in her room this whole time so it's just one of those like crazy ghost story things like he has her do what he physically can't but for the most part, he's the one. And he went out of his way to, like, dress, which I thought that's whatever, to dress kind of like death. Because he's known as death for a large part of the film yeah. until the reveal is that, you know, he's actually just a villain. You oh, know what? Well, not death. <laughs> what caught me, I thought was funny on this, is that 
We recently watched another movie called Witch Trap. And they have the same kind of thing happen in this where they have to try to get the killer's ashes to holy ground. And I thought, I wonder if they got any inspiration from that. or if I have to look and see when Death or Witch Trap came out. Because it's very pointed that they're trying to get the killer's ashes. Who was like a murderer, cult leader, who had his ashes. And they were trying to get the ashes to holy ground to stop him from possessing people. So I wonder which one stole from who on this one. Yeah. Jeffrey Combs really fucks up a lot of shit in this film. Yeah. Because he's after... And this is the crazy thing. After everything he's been through and everything he's seen, he still is not a believer. He cannot believe in... Because all the stuff he's seen in the past has all just been people doing shit. Yeah. So in his mind, the true... You know, the most horrific person it's the is people. It's the Scooby-Doo syndrome. The real monster is old white men. <laughs> Which, boy, they weren't wrong on that one. But he's just thinking everything's going to be Scooby-Doo. At some point, they're going to whip their mask off and go, Gosh, Shaggy, look at that. There was old man Jones trying to clear everything out for the new amusement park. That's all he's assuming. Yeah, well. And he can't see otherwise. And he's also a little unhinged because he just starts trying to murder everyone too. Yeah, he he does it, it. He does do a complete turnaround on that one. He's like, okay, I'm just gonna start. A lot of people are just shooting random people in this film. Do you think that's because Peter Jackson just looks at America and thinks these people are all cowboys just shooting guns at each other constantly? There literally is a cowboy ghost named the Judge, which I was like, is this like an homage to House Two? House or House Two? It's House Two. House Two. The Grandpa, right? Yep. I always. You know, we will be covering House, and I want to say that before we cover it, I'm going to try my darndest not to fill in House 2 in there, because in my mind, I like House 2 more than I like the first one, because I do not care for the Vietnam scenes in the first movie. Like, I'm just like, I'm over this whole Vietnam thing. Like, can we just get on with it? It was the 80s. Everybody had to do a Vietnam thing. And, like, Bull from Night Court's in there, and... And I love, I love them, but I just, I don't want to see any of that. Everything that didn't have to do with Vietnam, and then, like, the little boy, I just... There's, I, I will, we will further discuss house, but yes, I always think about the grandpa and like that weird, <laughs> whatever the fuck that's supposed to be, like animal friend. Worm or whatever it was. The hell Worm he dog. <laughs> yeah, whatever the hell it was he had. But yeah, I, you know, yeah, you were talking about this earlier. I saw this when it first came out too. I think I probably saw it on the opening night because at the time I had a friend that worked at the theater and I saw almost everything that came to that theater for free. And so I went to see it, and you know what? I haven't seen this movie since then. Whoa. No, I have not watched it since then, because the first time I saw it, I watched it, and I went out, and as I left, I went, meh. It just didn't do anything for me the first time I saw it. And I never looked it back up on VHS, DVD, or anything else, because I just watched it, and it it didn't grab me when I watched it, and I just never went back to it. Do you feel differently about it now? At the when I first saw it, I would have rated it like a one and a half star. I would have been like, no, this is not this is not it. Because I looked at it and thought, okay, it wasn't as crazy as like brain dead, it wasn't as wild, it wasn't as it was to me it was like, well this is kinda of toned down and this is kinda of like the 
you know, the, the mainstream version of something. So I, I just didn't get that into it. Now I watch it and I'd be like, okay, this is a solid, like, two and a half star to three star movie. It's fine. But I, I still, you know, I watched it and I didn't get as... I just don't love it as much as most people, I guess. I'm shook. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess. I love I love the movie. Uh, I don't know. I guess I just have fond memories. I've seen it. I mean, I own it. And I've owned it for a long time, like I said earlier. So You will note that I did not own it. I have seen it multiple times. It's one of those, like... If it's on, I'll watch it. And, you know, I like to just put it in. Probably every couple of years I'll watch it, you know, because it's one of those, like, I don't say it's a feel-good movie. This is definitely a film that could use a reboot, you know, or a revisioning. What, this I mean, would actually be a pretty decent series. Yeah, it could be, yeah. I Actually, I think they wanted to do a series there was talks about doing a series i think so i could see it as doing a series you had told me that actually this was supposed to be a tales it was supposed to be a tales from the crypt movie because uh, when they originally started doing it they were going to release it as like one of the tales from the crypts because i think demon knight had already come out and bordello of blood was going to come out soon or had already come out and this would have been another one of those and i think it would have been great as that to be honest because it would have worked perfectly as a tales from the crypt I think it would have, but I think they would have definitely had to like ante up on the on the horrific elements of the film. Yeah, they would have had to crank it up a little more. But I think if they had gone with the Tales from the Crypt part of it, they would have done that. They were trying for a PG-13 with this, but they just wouldn't give it to them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely would like to see... I love Michael J. Fox, so I would like to see a remake of this film. It'd be good. Like I said, I think a series would work well for it because you could do build up a little more slowly to the reveal of what's going on with the, you know, death and all that. And you could stretch the mystery out a little more and expand everybody's character. They did a good job with like the sheriff kind of helping him out in this and like see more of that guy would be fun too. Yeah, I agree. They totally should do that. See, like leave the like true classics alone, you know, or like the major cult films those are cult they became cult films for a reason for a reason and also classics are classics for a reason they do not need to be remade no one is going to be like you know what this version is much better that hasn't happened in a long time okay this is not the fly this is not the thing these are not and even then those remakes of those films of course they were going to be better because the originals came out when like it was in black and white (laughs) i think the blob might be the last really good remake of anything i cannot confirm that but we'll just put a pin on that and say maybe we'll come back to it i think the blob might be the last really really good remake but yeah this this is one one of those that they should definitely do um yeah we really didn't give a big synopsis on the film uh we just kind of like assume that everyone has seen it we went off on some tangents in this one too yeah we we ghost tangent conjuring tangent we've had some tangents it's fine house we're going to be a little more focused we're going to talk about house even though we talked about that already a little bit this time yeah we did talk about it but we only talked about it from my perspective in like five seconds of it you love the film yes a lot a lot and uh i do not 
Actually, you beg me to watch the film so many times. I feel like the only reason why you chose it for this month is because you knew I wasn't going to say no because it was for the podcast. You're like, I'm going to get her to watch it. One more time. <laughs> One more time, no matter what. Which is, I think, kind of weird because I think I might own the DVD of that movie. I want to say I do maybe, but nevertheless... I give this film a solid two knives. Two? Yeah, I know. I <laughs> I didn't say it was the best movie ever. Okay. I, I love the film, but you know, I'm not gonna give it. I'm not gonna give it three knives. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go along with you too. I'll give it two knives. It uh, to me, like the effects, kind of hold it back a little bit, and it it seems a little to me like. It, they couldn't really commit all the way to horror comedy and they couldn't commit to straight horror. They were kind of in the middle. So I kind of wanted to see them go one way or the other. Lean all the way into comedy or lean all the way into like dark horror, one way or the other. I agree with your second uh, assessment for the film. The first one, I can't, I can't, I can't like put an opinion on the graphics. At the time when this came out, that was fucking mind blowing. I was like, oh my God, this is freaking crazy. Cause I'd never seen anything. I mean, like it was 1996, you know? I saw the 13th floor. I think there was a part in that film where it's just like, it just looked terrible, you know? I mean, I was gonna name Dreamscape, but that movie came out in the eighties, but nevertheless. And that movie's amazing. That movie's effing terrible. Let's not get into that because that's going to be a whole other tangent. And for all of you that really love Dreamscape, hold on to your knickers, okay? Because I have a lot to say about that film. It is so boring, too. Oh, the Cobra Head. Oh, just so I'm done. Okay. Anywho, thank you so much for joining us on our... On this perhaps rambling episode of Jump Scare. (laughs) Rambling scare. That's the name of this this podcast. This is what happens when you record late at night. It's not that late. <laughs> it's not that late, and we're not drinkers, so we're both totally sober. Which sadly, also oh, sadly because you're just taking them back, right? <laughs> you're so funny. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, if you haven't, I don't know if we mentioned this before at the beginning of the month, but this is actually our, like, ghost fest. What did we name this? We just didn't. We were just going to cover a bunch of ghost movies this month, and then we forgot to talk about it at the beginning of the month, and we've just ignored it ever since. <laughs> like a ghost. There we go. You don't want to acknowledge the ghost. Yeah, don't look at it. You're not supposed to put fear in a ghost either, because that's how the ghost gets strong. It, it feeds on that fear. This is, it's ghost fest. There it there is. There you go. Ghost Fest 2021. Thanks so much and stay tuned to the horror and the ramblings. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.